Hi, and welcome to the White Hill podcast series. My name is Roger. I'm one of the pastors here at White Hill, and we're glad that you've chosen to listen to one of the podcast messages today. Our prayer is that you would be challenged and inspired to take the next steps in your journey with God as you listen to this message. If you want to keep in touch with more things that are happening at White Hill, head to our website at whitehill.church and you can subscribe to our YouTube channel. Enjoy this message now. Last week, Julie shared with us a cracker of a message and she started into the passage that we're looking at tonight, which is John chapter 4. If you've got your Bibles, you can open them up to John 4. If not, uh, the text will be on the screen anyway for us as we go through it a little bit tonight. But last week, Jesus was traveling from where he was in Jerusalem through to Galilee, and he had to go through an area called Samaria. And when he pulls up there, he's tired. They didn't have a bus. They didn't catch an Uber, didn't jump on the donkey train. He actually was walking. Uh, for all the distances where they were going. And partway through, they're exhausted, they're tired. So Jesus sits down at a well, uh, the well of Jacob, and sends the disciples off to the local town to get some supplies. Now, meanwhile, whilst Jesus is there resting, out comes this woman from the town, and Jesus engages her in this conversation. Now, I was going to test people to see how well you remembered last Sundays, whether you're joining us online or here in person, but I won't do that. Julie gave us three core points that we were to take from this conversation that Jesus had with this woman. Because here, at this moment, Jesus crosses a whole bunch of barriers. He crosses the gender barrier, which isn't much we wouldn't pay too much attention to it today but back in those days it was huge for a man to all of a sudden be talking to a woman then on top of that he crosses a cultural barrier because the samaritans were sort of hated by the jews that the jews it was a bit like uh the arabs and the jews are today there was that sort of uh, enmity between one another. And the last one he crosses, of course, is the whole religious barrier. Now, on top of all of those barriers that he crosses, this woman uh, had a really checkered past. Uh, She wasn't sort of the sort of person that mum and dad would want their little girl to grow up to be. Uh, She'd done some things in her life that she wasn't perhaps real proud of. But they were a part of who she was. And so Jesus interacts with this woman and he shares with her what we were just singing about, this hope and about what his role was in that, that he was the one that was promised. Now, Julie gave us three different things to do. So one of those was, one, just to be conscious of the people around us and that we would engage with people around us, not just seeing people as just filling space, but rather as the opportunity that God may bring to us to be able to interact with them in different ways. Uh, The second one was we needed to start just with ordinary conversation. And so Jesus talks to the woman just about water in the well and asks for a drink. Um, So you can't get much much more ordinary than that. 
But then Jesus steers the conversation also onto spiritual things, which is what Julie also encouraged us to do. And so this week I thought, you know what, I'm going to crack that. And so uh, I was filling up my car at the local 7-Eleven down the road. And uh, I thought, I'll strike up a conversation with the service station attendant, uh, the guy at the checkout counter when we pay for our fuel. And anyway, I go up to him and I go, g'day, uh, you know, and uh, I asked about his name because uh, he didn't have a name badge on. So I just introduced myself as Roger and I said, what's your name? And uh, he just happened to be of Indian heritage and he had like this 10-syllable name that I had no hope. And I thought, man, my first attempt and I've just busted it severely. Uh, no hope. But thankfully he said uh, that his nickname was Raj. And so I remembered Raj. So if you're ever down at the 7-Eleven down the road, say g'day to Raj. Um, he's uh, got a cracking smile as well. So really nice guy. But... Uh, that's what it's all about as far as connecting in with the people around us. Uh, so we're going to dive into this passage a little bit more tonight. And I find it interesting as we look at this passage that if we went to John chapter 3, uh, Jesus' interactions with the religious leader, the religious leader is named. We know him as Nick for short or Nicodemus for long. Uh, he's named, but the woman, perhaps out of sensitivity to her background, isn't named. But even though she's not named, and even though she has this checkered past, she is this amazing example to us all of what Jesus wants us to be and do uh, in the way that she responds. Because somewhere, at some point in her past, someone dared to have a conversation with her and planted a seed. They planted a seed of the gospel so that when Jesus starts talking to her, she has the knowledge already that someone is going to come who is going to save his people from their sins, someone who they knew with the title of Messiah or as the Savior, uh, who would come and no matter what their past, that that would be forgiven. And so when Jesus starts to talk, he waters that seed that had been planted however many years earlier, and it comes to life, and faith comes into her life. And so at that moment, she believes in Jesus as the Messiah. She puts her trust in him, and she goes away so excited about all that she has just discovered. Uh, I really love the story. It's one of my favorite parts of the Bible. When it comes to our lives today, um, if we went back 50 years in Australian history, most Aussies perhaps would have been raised coming to church as children. They went to Sunday school. And so they heard all of the old Bible stories from when they were kids. And so they knew that Moses was the one who parted the Red Sea. But today, lots of kids don't and lots of people don't have any foundations or any background to faith. And so when people come, they come with this yearning or desire to want to know more about who God is. And so tonight, we're really going to be looking at what it means to plant seeds and what it means to water those seeds to bring about God's harvest. Now, as I look at the story where we pick it up in verse 27... 
We pick it up in verse 27, right at the point where Jesus has just finished the conversation. You can imagine him being in one of those real deep and meaningful times with this woman. And then the disciples walk in. Now, I don't know if you've ever been in one of those conversation times where you've been in this really deep conversation and somebody walks up and it's like the conversation just dies. You know, it's like they either don't want to share or they don't want to go into the detail. Well, that's what happened with Jesus. And so we read that the conversation sort of just died at that point. And the woman takes off and heads back to the town. She's so excited about who Jesus is. She leaves her water jar, uh, all of her stuff, and just takes off because she wants to share with others. I imagine in that conversation that, you know, Jesus had that look on his face of deep love and care for the woman. And the woman was really involved. Her focus was there on Jesus. And then the disciples come and it's all done and dusted and gone. So I'm going to pray right now and just ask that God would just open up his word for us as we uh, look at this passage now in chapter 4. So let me do that now for us. Father, thank you for this story of the woman at the well. But thank you more for what we're about to read because, Father, in it, you've left a message for us and some clear guidance and wisdom that you want us to understand. So, Father, I pray that you would help us to have that sense of deep conversation as if we're sitting listening to you. Father, help us to have open ears to hear what you want to say to us and hearts that are ready to receive it, that we would live in accordance with what you have called us to, that we would honour and glorify your name. And so we pray it in Jesus' name now. Amen. Okay, so John chapter 4 and verse 27 says these words, and it'll be on the screen for you. Uh, Just then, his disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with a woman. But no one asked, what do you want? Or why are you talking to her? Then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, come, see the man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? They came out of the town and made their way toward him. Meanwhile, his disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. Then his disciples said to each other, Could someone have brought him some food? My food, said Jesus is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Now, I chose this passage specifically for our Vision Sunday because I thought it was very fitting for us to look at this section of God's word where Jesus is actually turning from talking to someone who doesn't know him fully, who hasn't put their faith in him, to now shifting focus onto his disciples. Now, remember, the disciples were the ones who had committed their lives to following him. They were his closest followers. They were the ones who were basically his trainees or his interns for ministry. He had them in training. And what he's about to share with them now 
is his life purpose, his passion, his whole reason for being. So if you're a person of faith here tonight, whether online or whether here on site, I want you to try and listen out for what Jesus would say to you and what he's also saying to me as a person of faith who's decided to follow Jesus. Now, we get there at the tail end of the conversation with the woman, and I want you to think for a moment about the context of what is going on, because the disciples have just arrived back from going to where? The local town to buy some food. Now, the woman who Jesus has just spoken with came from that town. She's just had the conversation with Jesus, and now she's heading back to the town to tell all of her friends, or maybe not her friends, the people that know her, that she believes that she's found the, Jesus, found the promised Messiah. Now, it's into this passage that we know the disciples have come back. They've gone just to get food, material food, and we can see a sense where these disciples are completely confused by what's going on. Now, back in verse 6, we're told that Jesus had come to the well and he sat down, he was tired and had sent the disciples on. So we knew what the purpose for the disciples going to the town was. And so they come back and then Jesus tells his disciples, he lets them know that he has food that they know nothing about. It's like Jesus is being a little bit cryptic here. And you've got to wonder what on earth Jesus is meaning. Now, one way I could explain it is to give you an example. When I was in college studying, um, I went to a college that I was able to live on campus. And so I studied with a bunch of other younger people. Uh, we had meals together in the dining hall. We would hang out together in our lectures. We would have college chapel together. And often we would be staying up to all hours of the night doing our assignments because they were due on a particular date. And we would leave it to the last minute. We wanted to get those essays in before the stroke of midnight. And uh, back in those days, I could just put them in the pigeonhole or slip it under the door. And uh, the lecturers generally weren't up at that time to stamp it or whatever anyway. Um, but one of the other things we also did is we would hang out and we would do some gaming together. And we would get so involved with our gaming, whatever games they were, that eventually we would all be chatting through the walls in our dorm and everything else. And we'd look at our watches and we think, oh, blimey, it's 3 a.m. <laughs> it's probably time we should hang up the, hang up the, the keyboards and, and hit the sack. And basically just we got so invested in what was going on that time got away with us. We forgot about eating. We forgot about drinking. We were just so focused on what we were doing. Uh, not so long after, and in fact, when I was studying at a different college, there just happened to be this good-looking young woman there that I started dating. And again, there was that same sense of uh, focus that as we started dating, we would just be hanging out and just chatting away. And again, it'd be like 2 a.m. in the morning and we'd still be going. And I'm sure that many of you might have similar 
experiences. Now, maybe it wasn't with dating, maybe it wasn't with study or gaming, maybe it was a focus on a car, maybe it was a focus on something else that you had to get done, where everything else tends to fall away. Now, when Jesus talks about having bread that the disciples know nothing about, Jesus was communicating to them that he had a passion or had a purpose that was his life's meaning. His food, as he says there in verse 34, is to do the will of him who sent him and to finish his work. In other words, Jesus is saying to them his purpose was the gospel. His purpose was to share that gospel, that good news, with people that they would hear, that they would know this hope, that they would have life. And that to him sustained him. That to him set his heart on fire and got the blood pumping. And we know that Jesus, as he describes himself, he describes himself as the living water there earlier in chapter 4. Later on, he describes himself as the bread of life. He describes himself as the good shepherd. Why? Because he's the water that will satisfy eternally. He's the bread that provides a food that will last and give life eternally. He's the good shepherd who leaves the 99 to find the one lost sheep. That is his purpose. That is his heart's goal. And that's what he's trying to share with his disciples who have just returned with this physical food. Ultimately, what Jesus wants the disciples to understand is that his purpose is that he would be able to give this offer of eternal life to all. He's not there to hide it under a box. For him... It isn't acceptable that he would just have a conversation about COVID or just have a conversation about the weekend footy matches or the Ashes test. For him, it's a non-negotiable. He wants everyone that he interacts with to be able to know who he is and why he has come because it will affect them eternally. Now, Let's look at the contrast that this passage provides to his interns, spiritual interns, the disciples. Now, Jesus has just been sitting at a well, and a woman comes, a woman who's of no repute in the middle of the day, at a time when no one else really comes in the heat of the day. So she was coming to avoid being with other people. And Jesus is there and he strikes up, crossing all those boundaries to have a conversation with her. Such was the importance of what Jesus was doing. He wanted to water that seed of faith in her life. And then she goes off having hear, heard the good news. Where? Back to the town to tell them about all that she's heard. Not to talk about the fact that you know, she was up on the hill and there was a couple of cows loose in the paddock. She goes back to tell her townspeople. She completely forgets about what's going on in life as well, leaving her water pot there. The disciples, what happened with them? They just went to the same town that this woman was from. 
they just went and bought material food from the same people that the woman is now going back to share that she has found the Messiah. And yet Jesus' spiritual interns went there already and perhaps did nothing because none of them followed him. So there is a real contrast going on between those who were his disciples and about this woman who has just come to faith that is just startling. Now, there's a couple of big points that I want you to get out of these passages. And if I start reading again now in verse 35, you'll see them. Verse 35 says, this is Jesus talking to his disciples. Don't you have a saying? It's still four months until harvest. I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. Even now, the one who reaps draws a wage and harvests a crop for eternal life, so that the sower and the reaper may be glad together. Now, if there's one point I can make from this passage, it's that purpose, our life purpose, is going to take some intentionality on our part. It isn't something that we can just drift through life that God's only intention for your life is that you personally would have believed. That is the start of the journey. God's intention is that after you have heard and have believed, you would take on his purpose for your own lives, that you would understand this mission and that this mission takes some intentionality. What does he say to the disciples in this passage? He calls them, three words, to open their eyes. Now, part of me thinks that this is like a real slap in the face to the disciples. Open your eyes. Why? Because they'd just gone to the village to be around a whole bunch of people that didn't know who Jesus was, and they do, and perhaps said nothing. And so he calls us in the same vein to open our eyes to see the people around us in our community. To see maybe the people in your own home, your friends, your relatives. To see the people in your uni classes, at your workplace. Because you may be the only disciple, the only person who knows who Jesus is in that environment. I know when I was an apprentice chippy that I worked with a bunch of guys on trade and we would sit down at lunch break and, and none of them were people of faith. I know when I worked at Grace Removals in their office, in their accounting area, there was no one else there of faith. There was a couple of people that went to a Catholic church every now and again. When I worked amongst the removalists themselves and up at our fleet garage, again, I was the only person of faith. And Jesus says to me to open my eyes and to see them. Not see them just that I'm around people, that I don't bump into them but to see where they're at in their journey of faith. And he uses this whole example here of the harvest, of sowing seeds and of reaping a harvest. 
He wants us not just to see them, but he wants us to look at the fields and to see that somewhere at a place where we needed to be having spiritual conversations to bring in the harvest. And he talks about different roles of being a sower and a reaper. Now, I remember when I was in school that we had this little experiment that we did as kids with our teacher. And uh, we got like a broad bean See, did anyone else do this experiment? And we got a bit of cotton wool and we wet the cotton wool and we put our seed on the cotton wool. And then all of us as kids looked at, it, at, looked at the cup and we thought, okay, when's it going to happen? When's it going to happen? And uh, we would just be waiting. And we would come back every day and we would all look at our little cups with our names on and we'd all really be dark if somebody else has sprouted before us. But then eventually... What happened was our little seeds sprung these little roots that sunk down and then a a little sprout came up the top. And it was so exciting to be able to see. With the people that we share faith with, often the journey is not one of uh, we share something and instantaneously they're going to respond. It's a process or a journey of understanding. But I'm only a novice gardener. I'm good with the uh, weed spray. Uh, I can kill things off pretty well. In fact, I'm not bad with the hedge trimmer either. For me, it's great fun. I always try and look for something exciting to do, and it's a bit like a lightsaber. You know, you're bringing up down across the top and um, sometimes I say I'm just a novice because sometimes I go a bit close and you take off all the greenery and you're left with sticks then and they have to re-sprout but as I said I'm just a novice but I know at my house the gardens didn't just happen after the house is erected the building site looks like a dog's breakfast there is just clay there is pieces of timber around, there are nails on the ground and there are tri-grips and all sorts of things around. And uh, the garden just doesn't materialise. But the garden area needs to be planned. The ground is ploughed over and often you have to plough in some actual soil that will sustain a plant. Um, And so you've got to get all that dirt hauled in that actually has some sort of nutrients in it. And then after you've got the dirt in with the nutrients, then you've got to lay out the plants. Now, if you're a gardener here, just forgive me, uh, my gardening knowledge goes to green plants and to red plants, maybe shrubs and bushes, but I don't know what plant names are. Don't ask me to recite them. But uh, I do know that they didn't just happen, that someone took some intentionality to plant a seed and to lay it out, and then it grows and it becomes beautiful. Well, my question is to our friends, our colleagues, to those who don't know Jesus, what seeds are we sowing with them? What seeds of faith are we trying to plant? One of the things that we are trying to do as a church is to plant seeds of faith in people's lives. Now, as you came in, you might have gotten an envelope. In that envelope is a whole bunch of cards, and I'm sorry, you'll have to um, sort through them a little bit. Um, 
just like I'll have to sort through mine, but we've sought to create a bit of an age pathway for those around us so that no matter where people are at in their lives, that you will have opportunity and seeds like these invitations to give to people, to invite them along to events where they can hear messages of faith that complement what you've been doing. And so, for example, if they are a young couple and they have some kids, I saw some people come in tonight that have some young kids, um, we have a mainly music and a playgroup that meet. Now, my apologies because the cards didn't quite come back from the printer on time for them to be in your uh, envelopes, but they will be here next week so that you can give them out to people to invite them along to a playgroup where there are other people with kids and there they can be encouraged. Um, if they have kids in primary school, we'll have kids, we'll have a card, sorry, for our minis church, for kids' church, and also for our Friday night kids' program for preschoolers, you know, where we give them all of the lollies and fizzy drinks and put them on sugar highs and then send them home to mum and dad to try and get it. No, we won't do that. Uh, but they'll have fun. And again, our goal with all of these programs is to show care and love for people in their life stage for where they're at and to show them how Jesus is relevant at that stage of life. And then we have our youth and our young adult cards, um, which have down all of our youth and young adult activities that you can invite people along to. And it's to bring people into a community where they feel welcome and accepted. Then if they're a little bit older, perhaps they're no longer young adults, we have a men's and a women's event card. Now these are great because they do for the whole year and they've got different events. So the blokes, there's a big bonfire night coming up on the 12th of March. I think we did them out at Mitch's place last year, about 50, 60 blokes there for a great feed and just a a chat around the fire. And it was a great night. Something that you can invite your neighbour along to or your friends if they're of that sort of age. Now, if you're a little bit older again, we even have a group for the prime timers, for those that are in that retired age bracket. And on all of the cards, I'll look at this one just as an example, there, if you flick to the next slide, Robin, um, we've tried to make sure on the back of each card there is all the details that everyone would need to know in order to come along and to mix in and be a part of that. So we put all the times and dates on. If you go to the next one, um, we've put down any costs or where the location is that these things meet. Uh, the next one, we've put the QR contacts there so that it will automatically take people to the expanded version of the card with all the details that they need. And then last of all, a friendly face is always on all of these cards so that if they're new, they know who's in charge because they have their photo and they can walk up to them. One of the hardest things for people to do is to come into an environment where they don't know people. And so I always encourage people First, encourage people to have a coffee together, chat with people, and then encourage them to come, but you come with them. Bring them along. 
And so my neighbor is a retired firefighter. And so I'll be giving him that men's invite and saying, look, we've got a bonfire night. Why don't you come along? The food's there. It's free. Come along. Have fun with all the guys. And just as a good night out. And uh, I can pick you up. You can come with me if you like. Now, how easy is that to actually sow a seed that will get him to come along? And so whatever stage people are at, young family, families with primary kids, whether they're mates from work or at uni or wherever, there is the programs there. Now, I want to encourage you because sometimes when we give out an invite, we think all of a sudden, just because we've been brave and we've given out an invite, that people are going to magically come along. And it doesn't always happen. You know, Jesus uses this sowing and reaping analogy. But if you know a little bit about your gospel, Jesus uses another story where he talks about the parable of the soils to remind us what the sort of responses are that we can expect. And if you remember, there are four soils. And just quickly, they really recap for us what all the four sort of responses are that we can get. The first soil is like hard ground where you scatter a seed and a bird will come down, peck it away, and it's gone. And it's very much like you might give a card to someone and they say, oh, yeah, and they'll throw it in the bin as soon as you turn around. The next type of soil is where uh, the seed falls on rocky ground. It sprouts quickly, but because it has no root, it withers and dies. And so you might give a card and invite someone. They say, yeah, that looks really good. I'd love to come. And then you'd never hear back from them again or you invite them and they give you a shrug off or they don't want to come next. The third type of soil is where the seed actually does hit the soil, but it's amongst the weeds and it says the pressures of this world crawl up. And so you could invite someone to something like that and all of a sudden you'll get all these excuses for, I can't come, I've got work on or I've got to do this or we're away. Uh, but then there's the fourth soil where the seed hits great soil and it takes root. The woman of Sychar, the woman at the well, was this fourth soil because the seed that Jesus plants into her, the invitation he gives her to life, is one that she receives. Now, if, if I held up four different people here on stage, you might not probably pick that the woman of Sychar, a woman of disrepute, a woman that's been alienated from people in the town, would be such a woman, but her heart was ready to go. And she believed in Jesus and followed and responded really quickly. And how exciting that was. Um, in verse 37, this mission can seem like a really daunting task. Uh, in verse 37, Jesus says that this mission is not a, just a solo act. It's not something that we have to feel like we're doing by ourselves. But it's something that we are here to support one another doing. And Jesus says, uh, thus the saying, in verse 37, one sows and another reaps is true. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, I told you a story about some young men from the Middle East, young adults who had come over to come to uni here in Australia. On the plane, uh, they had a, a Catholic nun sit next to them 
and talk to them about faith on the first leg. On the second leg, they talked to a Christian who happened to give them a Bible and talked to them a little bit more about faith. And then they land here in the country and they're encouraged more and then they walk into church, the church that I was at, and there they decide to be baptized and to give their lives to Jesus. But by the time they got to me, there had already been all of these other people working in their lives. In 1 Corinthians 3.6, Paul says, I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. So this whole work of sharing the gospel with people around us is not a task just for us. Now, one of the things we wanted to do as a church, which are some more of uh, these cards, is to create a pathway by which people can come into church. Now, you may just be new here tonight. This may be your first night here at Whitehill. You may have been coming for a little while, but perhaps you've never been to one of our Connect events. Connect is our first step into the church, and we wanted to make it so easy for a person to come and to be a part of the community here because we love people. Uh, We genuinely want to care for people and help people on their walk with God. And so the Connect lunches are an opportunity, if you're just new, to come in and hear what the church is about and to have a, a, a good feed at the same time and to have some fun on the tables. Uh, we enjoy doing our Connect lunches, and if you've never been to one, you may have been coming for 15 years and never been to one. I'm sorry if that's the case. Uh, we started them last year, so unless you were new last year, you probably never got an invite. But if you want to come along, see Meryl after. She'll give you an invite and uh, bring you along. Um, after that, uh, our next step is to help people uh, not just come into the church, but we want you to belong It's so easy just to drift in and drift out. But to say that this is my church, and for us, we want to say that you are a part of us as well. We don't want people to feel like they're on the outer. We want you to feel like you can say, yeah, White Hill's my church. They're my people. Uh, I hang with them. Uh, They support me. They love me. They care for me. Um, So we have this course called Belong. And this next year, it's running a couple of Sundays throughout the year. And basically, we're going to, I'm leading that one. Um, You get to ask all the tricky questions you've always wanted to ask and never been able to. Um, But we go through what the basics are of what we believe as a church, how the church runs. And and we help you to understand what it is to be a member or to be a partner in the church here. So I want to commend that one to you if you've never done that before. Um, Then there is a couple of other different options that you can do. Julie is running these two. One's called Grow, one's called Serve. Nice and easy to remember. Um, Grow is all about understanding some of the basics of of how, how do you read your Bible? You know, this book is like massive. And how do you read it and understand what God's trying to say to you? And so Julie in the Grow course tries to help people with some of those basics. How do you pray Um, to be able to understand that so that they can take steps themselves? Um, The Serve course is all about understanding how you can contribute to the ministry of the church here. Because as a church, 
Uh, it isn't just for people, well, it's definitely not for people who are just paid. The Bible tells us that as soon as we give our lives to Christ, he gives us a gift that he wants us to use to encourage others, to support others in their faith. He doesn't just want us to be a consumer, to come to sit and to soak and to sour and to head out. He wants us to find our place to serve. Because there is a place where God has gifted you to serve. And it's a place that only you can do it. I can't do it. But you need to do it. And if you've never discovered what gift God has given you, or how God has shaped you to serve, I encourage you to come along to this course. Um, It, again, is a great one to go to understand how God has put you together so that you can serve. And it's a real gateway into a whole bunch of different ministries. One of the things that I always say to our staff is that you are called not to do all the ministry, but you are called to support and to train and to equip everyone else to be able to do ministry because if it's just about the people that are paid being up here and doing things then the church isn't going to get too much done our role is to teach and equip as Ephesians 4 tells us and why so that the body is able to build itself up in love as each part does its work And that's what we're called to do. Now, tonight, we are so excited because we are commissioning Francois. Um, We've been on a three-plus-year journey. Uh, Julie has been dying to find someone else to take on uh, the worship ministries and obviously some other areas to be able to take on those as, as... our church continues to grow. And Julie wants to be able to move into that whole area of spiritual formation and encouraging people. And, and so I thought, before we actually get Francois on the stage, although they conned you into playing Francois, um, uh, so he was already up here on the stage playing the guitar. So good on you guys for getting him in. None of this slacking business, just taking a free ride on the seats. I see Nick and Taylor just nodding. Yeah, yeah, bring him in. Uh, Come on up, Francois. Um, Really, we should commission him and uh, actually get him to acknowledge who he is and what he's done. Now, uh, this morning we didn't do it for you, Francois, um, because I thought we can have fun and do it all at the night service. So we got you a whole bunch of goodies, which we always get people. uh, We try and get people when they come on to staff to uh, remind them. So the first one, Francois, is a photo of your family that we sneakily took for you. Uh, It's not for you to put on your wall at home, it's to put it on your desk here to remind you that first and foremost, you are their pastor, you are the head of your family to help lead and to care for and nurture them. So in in your role here, we don't want you to neglect them in any way, shape or form. Um, unfortunately, they couldn't be here tonight. They had a big afternoon and the kids, uh, well, you can understand, they, they were uh, needing to have some rest tonight. But I'm hopeful that you'll be able to meet them in the weeks to come because they're gorgeous kids. Um, so that's for you. Um, the, the next thing we're giving you, Francois, is a whole bunch of tea towels. And so that's to remind you that you are here to serve. <laughs> 
and uh, you, you, you can start with all the dishes that are in the office kitchen. No, I'm only kidding. Um, no, I'm not actually. <laughs> now, we got you a couple of other things. So there's a book here that's going to be a great encouragement to you. There is, um, because we don't want you to fade away, there is actually, and you did come from overseas, we got you a new lunch bag, which I'm having trouble getting out of this bag because it's all been crammed. And of course, we got you your very own office mug, so uh, you can make coffees to your heart's content with that. And then we know that you and Brad are going to need some time in the office to... Uh, Survive. So we got you a mini cricket set to play in the aisle. Uh, I can see the young adults. You forgot the sandpaper. I f- I... <laughs> uh, I don't know if we want to continue with the rest of this induction right this moment. We could put this off for it. No. <laughs> Anyway, we'll let bygones be bygones. We're testing your forgiveness here. (laughs) Hopefully Brad won't have any sandpaper. Um, And we'll see how we go. Anyway, we're going to do some official things, so feel free just to drop those down there. Um, I'm going to ask Rochelle, who's one of our elders, to come on up, and also going to ask Bronte and Andrew to come on up. Uh, Because we want to be able to pray for you. We want to commend you to God as you start at your ministry here at White Hill. And uh, we really look forward uh, to the ministry that you're going to bring for all of the uh, time. I I know that the band was really keen to have you playing for them. So he was joking with me earlier that, uh, you know, uh, he could only play the ukulele. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and he doctored his videos that he really can't sing. So we're, we're going to put him to the test. <laughs> anyway, we'll do this official stuff. So uh, we do want him, uh, as he starts out his ministry, to really declare before all of you uh, where his faith is at and uh, to help him to make these pledges and promises to you because it's up to you. You will be holding him accountable. You will also be there to encourage and support him as he seeks to serve in this place. So as a part of uh, you coming on board, Francois, uh, we are wanting to see you faithfully and diligently discharge all the duties of your pastoral office. So uh, Seeing that God has called you, uh, we want you to make some commitments and uh, we're going to ask you to do this, obviously all in the sight of God. And uh, so let me ask you some questions. Firstly, Francois, do you affirm your faith in one God, the Father, Son and Holy Spirit and in Jesus Christ as your only Saviour and Lord? Um, I might want to just pass off the microphone so that people can hear him. Thank you. Um, Do you affirm your faith in the Bible as the infallible word of God? And do you promise to preach and teach the whole word of God with faithfulness and conviction? I do. Uh, We recognize that our church is part of a wider community of Raceview. And uh, because of that, 
we are called to be able to show the love of Christ both in word and deed. So, Francois, do you promise to serve this local community in the name of Christ and his church and proclaim the gospel both in word and deed? I do. It starts to sound like a marriage, doesn't it? <laughs> he, is, he is sort of marrying us as the church, isn't he? He's coming to be a part of us. Uh, we recognize the command of Christ to participate in the mission of God and in the world. Do you promise to lead and encourage the congregation in its response to the commission to go into all the world and to make disciples? I do. Fantastic. Francois, we also recognize the need for you to work together in ministry, uh, not only with a staff team, but also with broader ministry teams. And so you're not just here alone, but you're working together with all of them. Do you promise to work together uh, with these teams in a godly manner, serving humbly and striving to build up others on the team? I do. Fantastic. Well, with that, I charge you then, Francois, I charge you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing and at his, in his kingdom, to preach the word, to be ready in season and out of season, to convince, to rebuke, to exhort with all long-suffering and teaching, and to be watchful in all things, to endure afflictions, to do the work of an evangelist and to fulfill your ministry. Now, for us as the church, uh, it is not just Francois who makes promises to us, but it, there is a calling upon all of our lives to actually stand together with him. And so I'm going to ask you guys, if you're willing to stand, if you're new or just visiting, feel free to sit. But for everyone else, if you're willing to, please stand. Uh, if you're visiting, you can still stand as well if you'd like. And so uh, for you as the church, we know that the whole ministry of the church is not dependent on this guy, but it actually depends on all of us serving together. So I ask you now before God to affirm your belief in Jesus Christ as Saviour and Lord and your desire to share with Francois in the life and witness of of the ministry of this church. And if you do, please say we do. Great. And will you honour, love and encourage and support Francois and his family ministering together as the people of God with humility and joy? Fantastic. Well, we're going to now pray for you, Francois. If you pass off the mic to Rochelle, let me start us off. I'm going to start praying. And uh, once you guys come over here, let's gather around Francois. Let's put him in the middle. And uh, you guys can put a hand on him. And uh, let's stand and just pray for him together now. Heavenly Father, you are the eternal God. We want to pray right now that your blessing would rest upon your servant, Francois. And we pray in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ as he is appointed to the office and work of the associate pastor of this church and this congregation. Heavenly Father, we pray that you would fill him with your Holy Spirit. We pray that he may fulfill his duties with all faithfulness and courage. We pray that you would give him a, a spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind. 
We pray that you would make his ministry the means of awakening those who are sleeping, of helping those who are struggling, of strengthening those who are weak, of comforting the afflicted. Father, we pray that you would help him to build your church and to lead people to the light of Christ. Father, may you guard him in temptation. May you keep him fervent in spirit when the trials and testing come his way. We pray that you would keep him wise in all his dealings. Father, may he always inspire the confidence and affection of your people and of the fellow staff members who work alongside him. Father, we pray this so that we all, as one congregation, may be one in spirit and mind, that we may strive together for the faith in the gospel. And we ask these things in his name. Dear loving Heavenly Father, we thank you that Francois has followed the call on his life to come to Whitehill and to use his gifts and talents to lead and to serve here in this place. We pray that you'll help him to keep his focus on you, to be led by the Holy Spirit and grant him wisdom and humility as he leads your people. Protect him from the plans that the evil one may have to distract him from your work here on this earth and in this place. We pray that you'll be with Francois as he transitions to a new country and also to a new church. We pray that in the busyness of all the things that have happened and will happen, that you will help him to prioritise his own spiritual health. Give him everything he needs to put you first in all areas of his life. We pray that he will sense the prayers of the White Hill community and also of those that he knows and loves in South Africa, sustaining him in the weeks ahead. And Lord, grant Francois a servant heart and a caring spirit for your people. And may he be assured of the length and breadth and height and depth of your love for him and for his family. Amen. Father, you are good and gracious, and we just thank you for um, bringing uh, Francois and his family safely here to Australia, and we specifically play, uh, pray for the De Beer family just as they settle into a new country and a new way of life, and Jesus, we pray for the kids just as they start schools and start um, just growing here in Australia. We just pray for your blessing over them and that you would be with them and help them to grow in, in the light, and Jesus, we pray for... Um, uh, Francois, as a husband and as a father, we pray that he would always seek you. He would always uh, find his strength in you and, Lord, that the family would benefit from um, having him uh, work in this church and um, be here in Australia. And we just pray that um, you would go with them, you would guide them and you would show them um, your love in all things, that you would be uh, the God that moves powerfully through the De Beer family. And we just pray um, for your blessing over them. Heavenly Father, we acknowledge that you are the author and creator of all things. Father, it is by your hand that kingdoms rise and fall, and so too everything else. Father, we want to thank you so much for the way that you've opened the door for Francois and his lovely family to join us here in this place. We want to thank you that you, we don't really understand why you closed doors when you did, but we're grateful that they're open again, and we're so thankful that they're all here with us now. 
Father, we want to pray specifically now for Francois and all the ministries that he will be involved in, and especially for the ministries that he will be leading. Father, he's got the arduous task of not just leading new ministries in a new place, but getting to know all the people involved and learning how they all work and how they all operate, and that is a mammoth task. Father, we pray that he'll be leaning on you daily for guidance, Father, for wisdom, Father, for knowledge, for understanding. Father, I pray that you would give him great success in his ministries, and I pray that we as a church body around him would support him and hold him up, not just look to him to solve all of our problems, but Father, you are the problem solver. You are the great creator. But Father, I pray for his leadership in this space, that we would support him, and Father, that we would follow him well as he points us towards you. I want to pray specifically for the worship team that he'll be, the worship teams that he'll be leading, and all the all the people involved in that. And Father, as well for the, for his community ministries. Father, we're surrounded by so many different communities around us, people from all different walks of life. Father, I pray that he would um, that you would help Francois to lead us into these communities, to reach out, to love these people, and to show them your grace and mercy. Father, help us to step across cultural barriers and help us to step outside of these walls. Father, help us to strike up conversations with people like the Samaritan woman who. On the surface, we have nothing in common with except for you, Father. We all share humanity, and Father, we all share a holy God who loves us and desperately wants to know all of us. So, Father, we pray that you would bless Francois and his family greatly in this place, that they would all find their space here and that they would all find their purposes. And Father, we pray for um, a healthy life. Father, we pray for a blessed life. And Father, we pray all these things in your holy and righteous name. Amen. 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 Welcome. It is good to have you here, mate. Francois is going to come and share with us in a few moments' time. Please grab a seat. Um, there is only two other quick points I just want to make from this passage. The next point that this passage goes, Jesus says to his disciples, I have sent you to reap what you have not worked for. Others have done the hard work and you have reaped the benefits of their labours. You know what? Sharing the gospel is hard. It is challenging. But the great thing is that we are all here together. It's not just employing and starting Francois to do it all by himself. We're in it together. We can link arms. We can encourage one another in doing that. And so uh, this hard work, it does involve time. It does involve loving other people. It does involve our energy and commitment. And that's what Christ has called us to. The last point is... uh, In verse 39, and that is our purpose, is life-changing. In verse 39, it says, Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him, that is Jesus, because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. They said to the woman, We no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves and we know that this man is really the saviour of the world. You know, the gospel, Jesus, is not just a life-changing point. It is an exciting point. To see people respond in faith is exciting. It is transforming for them. And for Jesus, this is, this is something that's worth skipping a meal for because this is the calling on all of our lives as disciples. And so as we head out into 2022, I want us to be equipped, all of you to be equipped. Uh, and that's why we've gone to the trouble and we worked so hard to make sure all of the info here 
for us to invite our friends along, our neighbours along. Because God has called not just Francois, not just me, but all of us together to be active in his kingdom, to see people come to faith. So that one day, when we get to stand before him, we can say that, yes, we lived our lives for the gospel. We shared our faith with excitement and passion with those around us so that they could hear. And God willing, we will reap a harvest and we will see people coming into the kingdom this year and in subsequent years because that's the mission. You know... uh, our computers when we started into COVID and we had all this live streaming stuff, we had a number of computer crashes that were going on there and and they happen in the middle of the services in the most inconvenient times. And so we came up with a plan B and we uh, bought another computer that we use in the office and uh, that computer can add a Uh, a moment's notice, easily be transferred back out to the uh, desk up here so that we can run the live streaming and the service can go on, particularly for you who are watching at home. But when it comes to the gospel, you are God's plan A. And God doesn't have a plan B often where you are at. In my workplaces, whether it was when I was a chippy or at Grace, when I was in accounts or whether I was with the trucks, I was God's plan A and there was no plan B for those that were around me. The choice is ours and it's not really a choice, it's a calling on our lives to share with those around us. So I'm going to pray for us now as we head into 2022. And then Francois is going to come on out and lead us into communion. If you're at home, you can get your elements ready and uh, you'll be able to share communion with us at home as well. Let me pray for us now. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this story of this woman, for the example that she was to have just heard that Jesus was the Saviour, and then to go straight out and to tell all of the townsfolk who Jesus was. Father, she puts many of us to shame. Father, we thank you that Jesus was able to share with the disciples the calling that he had on his life and the calling that he invites us to have on our lives as well, to understand that we are your plan A to share the gospel with those around us. And Heavenly Father, we ask and pray that you would use us in our communities, in our families, in our universities, at college and at school. Father, to be that voice, the voice of hope, the voice that shares an eternal living hope with those around us. And we pray this, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening today. If you live locally here in the Ipswich region, we would love to invite you to come and join us in person uh, here at one of our Sunday gatherings at Whitehill. Uh, For more information on our services or our ministries, head on over to our website at whitehill.church. 
If you're interested also in taking next steps in your relationship with Jesus, please also at our website, hit the connect button and let us know where you're at. We would love to catch up with you either over a coffee or on a phone call to chat with you about where you're at. We hope you've enjoyed watching this message and we pray that God would continue to bless you as you seek to seek Him in your daily life. God bless.